Well, good morning. I'm Emily Hamilton. I'm one of the pastors here at CPC. And this morning, we are wrapping up our sermon series that we've been going through for the last few weeks on Romans 8. Our passage this morning is part two of a two-part conclusion that Paul is giving in this letter, and it's been a series of rhetorical questions. Last week, we did part one. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can charge us with anything? Who can possibly condemn us? And then we're gonna keep going now with part two today. And my friend Chris here is going to read for us these words from Romans 8. And like we've been doing each week, I would invite you to stand together as we hear God's word read out loud. So thanks, Chris. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are conquered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am nor convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of our God, that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Chris. You may all have a seat. So exactly two weeks ago, I was in Istanbul, Turkey, and I was worshiping uh, in, a, in a service that I couldn't understand everything in. Uh, I was worshiping alongside Iranian Christian refugees, and I was part of a small team of people from CPC and a handful of other people from our denomination to go and visit and learn from and encourage the work of our mission partner, PARS Theological Center. PARS exists to equip and support Iranian Christian leaders, uh, both in the country of Iran and in the diaspora. And PARS is meeting a crucial need because um, you may not know this, but the Iranian church today is considered to be one of the fastest growing churches in the world. And that is in a, a country in which it is also one of the most dangerous countries to actually even be a Christian. Um, I learned this statistic whenever we were on our trip. Over the last 20 years, more uh, Iranians have come to faith in Jesus Christ than in the last 13 centuries combined. That's like a, a, a huge, staggering statistic. And when I say fastest growing church, I don't want you to imagine anything like this. <laughs> I don't want you to imagine a big building or a big worship service. Instead, the church in Iran is more like an underground network of house churches with small groups of about five to 10 people meeting together. Men and women are leading these churches together. We're excited for that. And uh, people are being baptized in bathtubs. Uh, the Lord's Supper is shared around a coffee table and singing happens quietly. 
And all of that is because in Iran, it is illegal for Christians to gather in these house churches. It is illegal for non-Christians to become Christians. It's illegal for Christians to share about their faith with non-Christians. And if Christians are found out, they can uh, lose their jobs, they can face fines. And on top of that, even more severely, Christians can be arrested, interrogated, sometimes tortured and imprisoned, all because of their faith. And so because of this, many Iranian Christians now live in exile as refugees or asylum seekers. They live in the Middle East, they live in Europe, they live in North America. And that's why on our trip, we were in Turkey because we were visiting PARS students who have left their home in Iran and are now making a home or trying to make a home in Turkey or waiting to be assigned refugee status in another place. And so with all these very real traumas and challenges, it might be very easy to look at the story of the Iranian church and think of it as a story of defeat or a story of the losers. But it is anything but that. It is a story of hope. It's a story of lives restored by the Spirit. It's a story of people being so moved by God's love for them that they find it to be so precious and so worthwhile that it outweighs every other cost. And so I think that for us here today at CPC, not only do I want you to know that whenever you give to CPC, you enable us to give to organizations like PARS supporting the persecuted church in another part of the world, but I actually think we need the stories of these Iranian Christians to speak back to us. We need these stories, friends, because these Brothers and sisters in Christ are living, breathing examples for us of exactly what Paul is talking about here at the end of Romans 8. And it's this, if nothing can separate us from God's love, then we have nothing to fear. If nothing can separate us from God's love, we have nothing to fear. See, the letter of Romans was written to a group of people whose experience was very similar to our Iranian siblings in Christ. First century Roman Christians probably met in a network of house churches, and we know that they were led by women and men together. We know that they shared communion around dinner tables, and we know that despite their growing numbers, they faced a lot of pain and challenges. A lot of them were enslaved or formerly enslaved people, so they understood abuse and violence firsthand. Others faced really difficult economic hardships after becoming Christians. They might have lost their jobs or lost income whenever they stopped participating in pagan worship practices. Some we know endured rejection from family members who didn't understand their new faith. And we know that like all of us, they struggled with just, you know, boring church conflict and ongoing sin. And on top of that, these earliest Christians found themselves facing government suspicion that slowly would turn into full-fledged persecution. And so if you're a Christian, you're living in first century Rome, life is not a piece of cake. It's pretty hard. Uh, you're facing trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, a whole 
heck of a lot that maybe felt like it was threatening to separate you from God's love for you. But then your church gets a copy of this letter from this famous church leader you've heard about. His name is Paul. You've heard the stories about this guy. You know he's legit. He has really suffered for this faith that you have now taken on. And so you kind of perk up when your house church leader begins to read a letter, a copy of a letter that you have gotten from this leader, Paul. And your, your church leader's reading it out loud to you and you're following along. And you're like, okay, like, this is pretty interesting. Like I'm, I'm tracking. And then you get to chapter eight. And in chapter eight, all of a sudden, it's like, Pastor Paul takes every worst case scenario you could ever imagine, and one by one, he says, Jesus has handled it. Your struggle with sin, Jesus has handled it. There is no condemnation. Your struggle to pursue holiness, Jesus has handled it. You have his spirit making a home within you, bringing resurrection power into your everyday life. Your fear of death, Jesus has handled it. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Your sense of rejection, Jesus has handled it. You are adopted and brought into God's family. Your fear for the future, Jesus has handled that too. You have been given the first taste of a hope that is remaking the whole world. Your struggle to pray, Jesus has handled it. His spirit prays for you even when you don't have the words. Your current suffering, Jesus has handled it. Even that is something God can redemptively use for your good. Your current feelings of defeat, Jesus has handled it. God is for you. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And it's only then that you get to the crescendo. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Even your current persecution, Jesus has handled it. The point of Romans 8 is this, every worst case scenario you could ever imagine, every fear, every wrong done against you, every wrong you've done against someone else, every power of sin, every wasting away of death, every weakness you feel, every doubt that still lingers in your mind that maybe God really is just gonna abandon you to your fate. Romans 8 says that all of that, all of it, has definitively, finally, and forever been overcome by the power of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. There is no sin that can outcondemn his power, the power of his grace. There is no suffering that can outperform his power to redeem. The death and resurrection of Jesus and the presence of the Spirit assure us that in the end, God's love wins. And this future hope begins to work its way backwards into our groaning present, Paul says. And as it does that, it releases us from every fear.
And when that hope frees us from fear, Paul uses a really interesting word to describe it. It's in verse 37. Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. A phrase more than conquerors, it's really interesting. It's actually in the Greek, it's a verb. It's this verb, hypernikomen. Hyper meaning above and beyond or like over and above. And nikomen is this uh, Greek word meaning we have victory. We are the conquerors. We triumph. The, the Greek goddess Nike was the, was the goddess of victory. It was her name before it was a shoe brand. Um, and so we hyper Nicolman, we over overcome, we over conquer, we are super victors even. And that is what Paul is saying we are in Jesus Christ. Now I wanna be clear, when Paul says more than conquerors, he does not mean that as Christians, we just become like these spiritual superheroes who like take out our enemies and defeat all of our foes. Be nice, but that's not what he means. And he definitely does not mean that we just get like magically airlifted out of suffering. What he does mean is that because Jesus entered in to the very worst that the world could throw at him and emerged victorious on the other side of resurrection, we don't have to be afraid of the world's worst either. Instead, we live in the hope that just like God brought life to the dead body of his son, Jesus, so too is God capable and committed to bringing life to the barren and the broken places in our lives and in our world by the spirit within us. So we are more than conquerors precisely when we are in places of pain because we know that nowhere is beyond the reach of God's redemptive purposes. When I, when I think about this, more than conquerors, I cannot help but remember with joy the stories of our Iranian brothers and sisters that I got to hear. And in particular, the story of one sister who I will call Layla. Layla is a student with PARS, uh, one of their best we heard. She was arrested in August for leading a house church. And she is now serving an eight-year prison sentence in a prison that is notorious for human rights abuses. Um, and on the one hand, Layla is lamenting this injustice. Uh, this suffering is not good. She has attorneys advocating for her to be released. Um, she's not like, she's not over-spiritualizing this pain. It, it's hard. And at the same time, she is trusting in the God of Romans 8. She knows that her pain can be taken up by God's grace and transformed into something that still bears fruit. She said, you know, I was arrested for starting a church and leading a church out there. God's just leading me to do another one in here. <laughs> She's leading people to Jesus in prison. She is starting a church in this awful place, she is still pastoring behind bars. Layla is more than a conqueror. She has bought in to this vision that Paul is casting at the end of Romans 8 that says, nothing can separate us from God's love. 
Nothing in the human world can separate us from God's love, not death nor life, nothing in the spiritual world, not angels or demons, nothing in the world of time and space, the present or the future, nothing in the material world, neither height nor depth. It is the capstone promise of all the other promises that have come before and with unflinching clarity. Paul says, there is nothing in any possible universe that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, as Christians today, here in the United States, we live in a context of immense freedom and privilege. Uh, even though, you know, some might say the church is losing some of its cultural influence, but even so, we are not persecuted in any way similar to what the first century Christians experienced or what our Iranian brothers and sisters are experiencing today. But hearing stories like Layla's makes me think, man, we may not be persecuted, but we sure do live in bondage to fear. Fear of what other people think about us, fear of the future, fear of needing other people, fear of getting too involved in other people's needs, fear of being too much, fear of not having enough, fear about the mistakes we've made, fear about how the future is gonna turn out, fear of loneliness, fear about whether or not we'll finally get that acceptance letter or that job offer or that boyfriend or that house or that result that will finally make us feel okay. We just fear suffering itself. And a lot of us live our lives in this kind of like complicated avoidance of anything that would make us actually confront those fears or live through them. Like we're kind of like hopping on rocks like across the stream and we're like, oh my gosh, I really don't wanna fall in. I really don't wanna get wet. Please, if I can just make it to the other side without getting wet. And of course, this kind of avoidance of pain doesn't really work. Uh, bad things happen. We don't control all outcomes. We get hurt, we get sick, we die. And in those moments when we are confronted with the scariest situations uh, that we couldn't avoid, I think that Romans 8 in some ways can be a huge comfort for us. It can be a great consolation to remember that even when I can't avoid those hard things, God is with me, God is for me, he loves me. At the same time, I think that Paul's words here for us are meant to be more than just a comfort. These promises are more than just like a spiritual towel coming to like dry us off when we get wet hopping across the rocks. I think actually these promises for us are meant to be like a life jacket that we put on so that we can dive back in to the raging river. These promises are not just consolations for us in times of crisis, they are motivations for us to consciously move into the brokenness and the needs of the world as the beloved children of God that we are. 
because if nothing can separate us from God's love, then we are free to move towards risk, towards the pain and brokenness of this world because we are more than conquerors who bear within us the spirit of the living God. And just like our Lord who loved us so, we too can take up our crosses and trust in the resurrection to come. So how how do we live with these promises like like there are life jackets? Um, For the early church, New Testament scholar Kevin Rose says, this hope was what funded the willingness to be persecuted and martyred, to nurse the sick and dying, even if it meant catching deadly diseases, to start hospitals, to sacrifice possessions, to speak boldly to Roman authorities and countless other matters. For the Iranian church, this Hope enables underground worship and witnessing in prison. And for most of us, it's not gonna look that dramatic. In fact, it's gonna look way more normal and everyday. And because of that, we're gonna have to be even more intentional. We're not lying down in front of tanks or standing before firing squads, but we are still handed a life jacket and invited to dive into the river Invited to give ourselves in sacrificial ways that move toward brokenness, not just running away from it. So what does that look like? Today, I can't help but think that it looks like being trained as a lay care minister and saying, you know what? I want to be a conduit of God's presence and love to people who are in the midst of pain. In our relationships, I think it looks like asking for forgiveness when you've messed up. And it looks like having that hard conversation you need to have with someone to say, hey, I think there's something going on with you and I wanna talk about it. In our workplace, it looks like feeling the aches of the world around us and saying, you know what? Maybe God has gifted me with something to address that ache in the world. It looks like doing what's right, even whenever it's not profitable or pragmatic or productive. In our communities, it means we're gonna stand up for our neighbors. We're gonna care for the orphan and the widow and the refugee. It's gonna mean that we choose to live simply so that others may simply live. I'm sure you can think of so many other ways this could look. And there are all kinds of reasons to be afraid to do these things, to turn around and run the other way because they involve real risk. And they mean we're gonna have to die to sin in ourselves. But when you've been harnessed to the life jacket of God's love, even though you face death to sin and self all day long, in all these things, you are more than a conqueror. Because if nothing can separate us from God's love, then we have nothing left to be afraid of. One of the things that's so moving about connecting with Iranian Christians through PARS is that a number of them are immediate family members or mentees of people who have actually been killed for their faith within the last 30 years. One of them the Iranian martyrs, it's very famous. It's a man named Reverend Haik Havsepian. Uh, he was a leader of the council, that's him. It's, he was a leader of the Council of Protestant Ministers in Iran. He was an evangelist. So many people came to faith under his leadership. And in 1994, uh, his friend, who was a convert to Christianity, was imprisoned and sentenced to death. And Reverend Haik 
vigorously advocated for his release. He wrote op-eds. He sent letters to the United Nations. And three days after his friend was released from prison, Hike was successful, Hike himself went missing. And then 10 days after that, his family was informed that he had been killed. And his brother, Edward, actually came and spoke to us on our trip. And his brother, Edward, said this. In those days after Hike was killed, God revealed a fact for me, that a church that is not scared of death and martyrdom can never be defeated. And so I'm gonna invite the band back up and as they come up, I wanna leave you with this thought. Um, I doubt that any of us will ever be martyred for our faith, but if God's love is real, then we have been set free set free to take the risk to dive back into the brokenness of this world. Our friends in the persecuted church, they are not spiritual superheroes. They are ordinary people like me and you who are held and harnessed in to the extraordinary love of an extraordinary God. And it's that love that enables them to move into the risk and brokenness of the world. So I want us to put on the promises of God in Romans 8, like the life jackets that they are, not as a consolation and crisis only, but as a motivation for us as we live throughout our days, ready to move past our fears, ready to move into risk, because we know that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed. So I wanna invite us for a few minutes just to close our eyes and take a moment to pray and to invite God to show us the places in our lives where we need to be rooted in His love so we can move past fear. Just take some moment to do some self-examination and invite you to pray with me. Lord, would you show us the places where fear has taken hold in our lives, where it's holding us back, where it's stealing our joy? And would you show us where we need to be reminded of your love, reminded of how Jesus has handled all of our sin and fear? So just take a moment to invite you to show us that in our lives today. Holy Spirit, would you pour out the love of Christ afresh in our places of fear? Would you hook us into the life jacket of your love so we can dive back into the waters, confident that we are more than conquerors in you? It's in your name that we pray, amen.